0: I know it's been a while. I had promised to be back on April 4th, but life gets in the way. But don't worry, today's episode is a special one. But before we dive in, just a quick update. I did end up downloading Mender, creating a profile, and even have a few matches. If you're curious about how things are going, definitely check in next episode. I'll do a deep dive into my experience with Mender. But the main reason why I'm so happy to bring you this episode is because I got to chat with Rola Silbeck. Rola is an award-winning filmmaker and activist based in LA, and I'm so lucky that she had some time to chat with me today. So let's jump in. This is a learning-as-you-go process for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no problem. Okay. glad to be a part of it.
0: Uh, what brings you to LA? Um,
1: I, uh, I I moved to LA from San Francisco. Oh. Um, yeah. Um, for filmmaking, mostly. Oh, it and, makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where all the, you know, filmmaking is still, uh, even though, you know, there's there's lots of, other places around the country that's doing great stuff. But, yeah. um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I just thought it'd be good to be in the center of it all and, uh, see how it all goes.
0: Okay. Um, well, thank you so much for making time for me. I think, as you know, I've been quite interested lately, um, in kind of uncovering the love lives of Muslim women, especially in the American setting, and, mm-hmm. and I think that you bring a very interesting perspective because I think you dealt with that subject yourself in your work. Um, mm-hmm. But you also occupy different intersections that not everyone does, which I find mm-hmm. really interesting. Uh, but before we delve in, I wanted to kind of hear more about your experience at Sundance. And for the listeners out there, if you don't mind sharing what brought you to Sundance. Oh, Oh, we're recording already. Sure. Oh, we are. Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh hello everyone. Um, yeah, so uh let's see, so what brought me to that? Um so I produced I co produced a short film called American Paradise. Mm-hmm. Um and uh it's a it's about uh it, it's actually a true story, based on a true story, uh about a about a down on his luck of uh, forties guy. Um, you know, just life is just kind of Handed him a bad hand, um, you know, not a very good job, um, unattractive in his own mind, you know, just everything not going well for him, and so he decides to rob a bank, uh, but not just rob a bank. He decides to rob a bank while donning a uh, a mask that impersonates him as a black man, um, and this is actually based on a true story um, that happened, wow. and so it's it kind of delves into. Um, a lot of subject matters that I think is at the forefront of a lot of folks' minds um, these days, uh, you know, in, in Trump's America, as we call it. Um, and so, uh, so
0: yeah, so that short film got into Sundance, and, um, and that's what I was doing there. And I understand that it was, I'm sure it was a great experience, but you mentioned that most of the work actually happens after. After.
1: Oh, oh, after Sundance, yeah. yes, yes, absolutely, exactly, exactly, so um, so Sundance uh, was just a, a phenomenal experience, you know, you, you, you get to um, just connect with so many phenomenal artists, uh, producers, creators, thinkers, um, but it really is, uh, you know, you're only there for a short period of time, yeah. and so it really is what, what you do with those. Um, with those newly found friendships and connections after Sundance and, and really working towards what your next moves are um, it is where all the work is truly. Um, and Sundance, it's, it's crazy because it, it really is just a whirlwind. Um, uh, it's just, you know, it's just one of those, it's, it's just a snowstorm. Actually, there literally was a snowstorm when I was there. Um, uh, Park City, Utah. Um, I'd never been there before and uh, it was freezing and oh I was, and i wasn't prepared and i just had on my sneaks and oh, no. some jeans <laughs> oh, no. i don't know i don't bl- know i blame it on me being a desert girl you know <laughs> so i'm like um you guys got snow huh
0: so it was i use uh, i use the same excuses yeah exactly <laughs> they and you know they're, they're that. that are excuses i'm from west <laughs> africa we don't know this <laughs>
1: Exactly. I grew up in the deserts of Abu Dhabi, man. I, I you know, this isn't this isn't uh, natural for me. But of course, there were plenty of other brown people who were there who knew better than me <laughs> who were just dressed up fine. So it's just an excuse, you yeah. know. I, I, just, I just didn't know any better. Um. Uh. So yeah. Okay. So it was. Uh, thanks for asking. It was. It was extremely inspirational. My first time there. It's been a dream of mine for 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 a long time. As as is a dream for I mm-hmm. think you know, many filmmakers, um, it's it's kind of like the holy grail of independent filmmaking.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah. Super happy for you. Um, and actually, Thank you. that kind of segues into one of like the key questions I had for you, which is why filmmaking? Why did you choose filmmaking as a medium for you to not only tell stories, but, but also know you're an activist and you can feel that in the type of work you decide to do? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think, I think in general, it's because that's the media that I connect with the mm-hmm. most. Um, and I tend to do, uh, you know, I don't really have a good, uh, the the best measure I can give for what I think, you know, works or doesn't work is if I myself respond to it. So I can't tell, you know, um, I, I, it's just the medium that I respond to the, the most and the strongest. And so therefore that's that's the medium that I chose to to kind of um, delve into, um, and 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 it turns out that it is, you know, in 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 uh, in the age of yeah. of YouTube and and social media, it turns out that it is you know one of the most effective ways to yeah. tell a story, to you know, to relay different types of messages, to kind of open minds, and to um, and to have people experience something that they may not have experienced before. Um, I remember when I was a kid in in Abu Dhabi. Um, for whatever reason, I, I always gravitated to uh, I always gravitated to filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, my my parents got this huge gargantuan VHS, you know, camcorder. <laughs> like it was bigger than literally bigger than my head. Not even a joke. <laughs> I had to hold it. On, I had to hold it on my shoulder. Like I was like, um, and so uh, I. I used to dress up my, 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 my younger siblings in, you know, in funny costumes and make short videos and commercials and all sorts of stuff. Um, and so it's, it's just been something that, uh, you know, I gravitated towards ever since I was a kid and, you know, when you grow up and, and you, you don't quite know what's possible or mm-hmm. not possible. You just know that society tells you you're supposed to have a nine to five job. Yeah. You're supposed to be, you know, an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer. Um, you have to have a career, and or else you know you'll be a failure, yeah. and you'll never make money, and you know you'll be homeless and um, <laughs> you know destitute for the rest of your life. And so you you don't really know what's possible, what's not. All I knew is that I loved it so so much, um, and you know thankfully uh, I ended up being
0: fortunate enough to 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 be able to do it. Um, yeah, and I know that one of your, the first features that you you made was Three Veils, which I think is a very a wonderful story looking at three different experiences of what it's like to be a Muslim, uh, M- Muslim American woman and grappling mm. with things like traditions, but also sexual identity. And mm. do you mind sharing more about how that movie came to be and a bit of the process for you? And yeah, and what do you think of when you think about um, romance and femininity? Um, in, in Muslim identity in America,
1: uh, romance and femininity. Okay,
0: <laughs> um, no, those are great, 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 very, very
1: heavy questions. I mean, I could talk forever about this but I won't. Don't worry, I'm not going to waste your podcast tape. Um, but um, here's so 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 I'll answer your first question first. So how it came about was I I hadn't bef- I hadn't really seen movies where. Um, I myself could relate to you know the the romantic or sexual or traditional experiences mm-hmm. that I had had or that my friends had had or that you know friends in my community had um, and so i I really wanted to make a movie again that that I could connect with that i want that I would have hoped to see when I was younger in hopes that other folks like me um and audiences out there um, would would find it not only useful and entertaining, but more importantly would find it less lonely, mm-hmm. that there are others out there who are experiencing what they're experiencing, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe not the same exact level, but certainly something something that an audience member could look at and be like, ah, I, I understand that. That's what I went through. Or, yeah, yeah, that's similar to what my sister went through, my mom went through, my, my aunt went through um, you know, my cousin went through, um, so, so that, that's really why I, I created, uh, I created the movie. Um, and so a lot of folks ask, oh, was it based, is it all based on true, on (laughs) your, on your life? Uh, and I say, um, some of it is absolutely, but some of it is, is really taking, I, it was, you know, kind of little overly ambitious, but I was trying to take not only my own stories, but stories of, of, like I mentioned, of, of, of my friends and of folks in the community that I, that I, stories that I've heard that I know, um, and try to kind of create, kind of quilt together and stitch together um, a group of stories that that represent um, what you know what women sometimes go through in in, in Muslim American uh, um, cultures. Yeah.
0: Um I know you identify as as queer and mm. and I don't know exactly when you moved to the US but how does that identity identity work or sometimes conflict with the other identity that you hold of being a a woman being a muslim being arab in mm-hmm. the US and and especially in regard of the rhetoric that we have right now here Yeah yeah great question
1: Um so yes I, I absolutely consider myself queer um as far as uh, as far as you know what's a subset of what or what supersedes <laughs> what I, I, I first and foremost actually identify as a woman mm-hmm. um, that that's that is the mo- that is the identity that supersedes all other identities And I think it is because, no matter what country you're from, what religion you're from, what background you're from, what age you are, mm-hmm. as a woman, there are experiences that we share, um, both positive uh, and certainly um, negative. Yeah. Um, that that really binds me, I think, to to the women in the rest of the world, and so it re- that really matters to me um, a lot that I identify as a woman first and foremost. Um, I think as far as being queer, um, that's just one of the many things that I that I am. And I feel that, unfortunately, society makes it a bigger deal than I make it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's not really that big of a deal for me, but sure. Um, uh, You're a rare and, gem for society. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and then as far as being Arab and Muslim, um, so... so You you, you asked me when I moved to the U.S. I moved to the U.S. when I was 13. So I moved, uh, you know, first first year of high school, essentially, I moved to the U.S. Um, I think that being Muslim was something... I I actually used to be religious, um, Mm -hmm. meaning um, not only did I identify with the faith culturally as an Arab Muslim, but I also did, you know, pray five times a day. Um, Mm I, you know, I read the Quran a lot. Um, I, I considered myself, you know, religious person, not necessarily conservative, but certainly religious. And and I think as I as I came into adulthood, and as I met in the U.S., I met so many different people from all sorts of backgrounds. You know, Christians, Jews, Hindus, uh, atheists. Um, you know, I I I came to the conclusion that. How can, how can only one be right? Mm-hmm. How can religions that say, this is the only way to be, h- how, can, how can every religion be the only right <laughs> religion? And so it really kind of opened my mind to the fact that there are so many other belief systems mm-hmm. um, that have good about them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it made me really kind of rethink what did religion mean to me. Um, even though I still consider myself culturally Muslim. And what does that mean, culturally Muslim? That means yeah. that I, you know, I, I grew up that way. Um, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a faith that I consider home, that I consider my core, mm-hmm. um, the celebrations, the values of giving, how to treat people, humility, um, you know, uh, staying away from hedonism, you know, all, all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely believe in and I took from Islam and I still culturally identify with Islam. You know, I still celebrate Ramadan, um, you know, Raid, um, <laughs> uh, you know, like uh, I, I, it's still something that that means a lot to me. But I would say that I'm culturally Muslim and I would not consider myself religious.
0: Yeah, I really relate, relate a lot to what you just mentioned um Definitely. I definitely mostly see myself as culturally Muslim because mm. growing up that way, there's so much that's tied. Be- the religion and culture is so intertwined mm. that and there's so much that you still want to keep with you, even if you find yourself no longer being that religious. And actually, very recently, I was on a trip um, and got to learn more about Baha'ism and realize that, mm. wow, this is an interesting set of beliefs I could easily see myself wanting to raise my children with those set of beliefs and mm-hmm. being, being able to have that exposure and even mm-hmm. consider it. I think it's something that I don't think everyone allows themselves to do that because my parents are extremely religious, but they've mm. been very good about letting their children can kind of explore their own relationship with the faith. And I think mm. without that that would be very difficult for me to, Balance this wanting to retain the culture, but also mm. wanting to sometimes question the religion and expose mm. myself to other beliefs. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I think. I think it's something that, that that a lot of not just Muslims, but I think yeah. a lot of folks who grew up in a certain religion, you know, through their family um, and through their community. I think. I think they grapple with
0: that. Um,
1: Uh, just as much, certainly.
0: Um, Given the topic of the podcast, uh, do you mind if I ask about your current relationship status? (laughs) Ah!
1: (laughs) Facebook status, it's complicated. No, it's it's not, actually. Uh, I'm with a a, a beautiful, beautiful woman. Um, We're going to be together for two years. Um, She's Jewish-American and um, just... Just the most beautifully hearted person I've ever met. So, um, and I'm very lucky to be with her.
0: So. Well, congrats. Um, Thank you. Then, given that you already kind of went through what I'm going through right now, which is thinking about dating and what I want in a partner, um, mm. do you mind sharing a bit more about how you approach those phases in your life where you're not a uh, partner with someone and kind of any advice you might have? for some of our listeners out there? Ah, advice. (laughs) Uh
1: Uh-huh. Advice to find love. I think... I I, I, I certainly would not consider myself a subject matter expert. Uh, I'm... um, I think, for one, uh, I'm a workaholic. Mm. Um, And so what I would say is that... um, Maybe look for people who. Well, I think I think essentially any, any any advice. My advice would be be very very honest about who you are right mm-hmm. from the beginning. So let's say if you are a workaholic, or if you, you know, I don't know, enjoy badminton, or if you, <laughs> you know, are um, you know are, are a total geek about you know one gear bikes or I mean whatever it is you you just be very 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 open about who you are be honest about who you are right from the get-go do not put up any of those kind of um you know kind of uh how do you say like yeah yeah or filters you know like don't Mm -hmm. put an instagram filter on yourself (laughs) like just be yourself like no filter you know there's it's not necessary because what ends up happening um I think I don't know if you've. I'd love to hear what where your experience has mm-hmm. been, but I I think that when I was younger, I had a I had a tendency to want to please everyone. Yeah, and so I had a hard time saying no. So if someone were to ask me out, I would just say sure. Really? Yes, <laughs> yes. Even if I didn't want to, it's like oh oh well no nah, no nah. you know I want to, you know, I don't want them to not like me, I don't know what, like, I was I was definitely very different, very, very <laughs> different person, and so, um, I just, I, 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 I feel like I, first and foremost, you should make yourself happy, mm. know who you are, be comfortable with yourself before you go out looking for someone, because I think sometimes that repression that mm. sometimes we get as people who grow up with parents who care about us, parents who maybe, you know, went a little far in terms of trying to shelter us from Mm -hmm. things, Um, I think we don't end up really growing into adulthood as early as we should, and we don't end up knowing who we are until Mm -hmm. we are able to kind of break free from, not even from people judging us, but from us judging ourselves, you know.
0: I think it's it's interesting you mentioned that desire to to be to please others. Mm. I think what I've noticed in myself sometimes is that I have this desire to be liked to the mm. point where I can be in- interacting with someone and I might not even know if I actually like the person, but mm. I'm so focused on the person liking me that I don't process whether or not I actually want something out of that exchange or that relationship. It becomes a goal in itself. And yes, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that's exactly. quite dangerous.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and I and I do I do absolutely believe that that I, I for whatever reason I, I, I would I would hypothesize it's because of, you know, nurture, but I think that women tend to um have have that trait, um, especially mm-hmm. young women. Uh, including myself, like I mentioned, I definitely had that as well. Um, And I think it might be a lot due to how we grew up or a lot about, you know, the society around us. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can tell you, I definitely don't fixate on people liking me right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I can't uh, wait to get there. (laughs) It's, uh, you know, it's it's definitely not one of the more important things uh, in life, I think, um, is whether someone likes me or not. Mm -hmm. I, I think respect is, is more important mm-hmm. for me right now, is whether people respect me or not and for the right reasons. And whether I'm liked or not, I can't really control, you
0: mm-hmm. know? Um, you mentioned earlier that you're a workah- workaholic. And actually, in my bank of questions, what I had uh, was whether or not your career choice and your focus on your creative endeavors has affected in any ways your your personal relationships, and even mm-hmm. within like the current relationship you have yeah I would say it has
1: uh, it has but um, i I think I think essentially that the the thing is that you you have a finite amount of time and energy, mm-hmm. and as much as I'd love to think that you know oh I you know I have all the time in the world <laughs> and all the energy in the world, I really really don't and so um, I, I'm much more intentional with with how I spend my time, mm-hmm. and so what does that mean that means that i i Work and work and work and work. Don't sleep very much. But when I do spend time with people I love, whether it's my girlfriend, whether it's, you know, my siblings, whether it's my dad, when I do, I, I do so with full intention and wholeheartedly. I am not doing anything else. I'm not thinking about anything else. So I mm-hmm. might spend less time with the people I love. Actually, no, I do spend much less time <laughs> um uh with the people i love but that time ends up being extremely intentional and very very um uh it's just a hundred percent me with them i'm not doing anything else thinking about anything else um so um
0: i'll try to replicate that too (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so because i'm still fairly young i do have like i don't know if you ever went through that phase where you have this anxiety about whether or not you're ever going to meet someone who um, sees the best in you and someone who will Mm -hmm. love you. And I think I I mostly recently went through that phase and I think that's kind of the reason why this podcast was was born. And I was Mm -hmm. wondering if you ever felt that and how you walked through these emotions. Uh, Yeah, I think... You
1: know, I I, I I can't say that I have. Um, the reason why is because, not now, a lot of my friends do. Mm-hmm. I, I do have a lot of friends who are still, um, you know, looking for the one or at least someone mm-hmm. who they connect with on a very deep, almost cosmic level where they love them for them. You know, there's no other complications and, um, you know, and... and they're looking for a relationship that doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Um, I would say for whatever reason, again, I think, I think it is because I'm kind of a workaholic. I never, being in a relationship was never, um, was never my top, was one of, wasn't one of my top priorities. And so it ended up being, if it came, it came, if it didn't come, it's fine. Um, so, so I didn't really, you know, and so I got lucky because I, I and, and, and as with, as with, I think in life, as they always say, it's, it's always when you're not looking that you get, you know, what you want type of a thing. And I, and I'm very fortunate that even though I wasn't looking, I ended up, you know, finding the most beautiful human being <laughs> to be with, but, <laughs> but it it really wasn't, a, it wasn't at the forefront of my mind and, and it never, never had been.
0: So. How did you two meet? Uh, well, we met, uh, we
1: were working together, um, (laughs) and we, I know, and, uh, we were friends first, um, and, uh, and it just kind of turned into something extremely special. I think, I will say one thing. I found that being friends with someone first is, is really, really interesting proposition, Mm -hmm. um, because, because what ends up happening is, as friends, you, you end up knowing a lot about each other that you may not have immediately disclosed as, you know, as partners or, or as romantic, um, you know, uh, lovers or something like that. And so you end up knowing all the things that each other likes or doesn't like. You end up knowing, you know, what you like to do when you hang out. You end up knowing what does someone look like when they hang out just, you know, and, and, you know, and you're just eating ice cream and watching funny movies. Um, you end up really, really getting to know the core of a person, um, and you know, and it's a beautiful thing when you when you end up knowing mm-hmm. each other first, and then you fall in love. It's it's you've already gone through that. You know what you're falling in love with. You're not mm-hmm. falling with an idea, falling in love with an idea anymore. You're you're falling in love with a person that you know. You know, that's really beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So go find friends to fall in love. With. <laughs>
0: Being conscious of your time, I was just curious if you wanted to share uh, what's keeping you busy now and what we can look forward to seeing from you. Yeah, so right now I'm working on a few
1: projects. Um, uh, the I'm working on a few projects. Um, the, currently, one of them is called A Day with a Muslim. Uh, it's a docuseries, a social experimental docuseries where um I bring two unlikely groups of people together to spend a day with a Muslim and see if at the end of the day their mind has changed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so episode one uh, was Trump supporters spend a day with a Muslim, um, and that went viral. So (laughs) I decided to do a second episode, uh, and so I'm editing that right now. So be on the lookout for that. Um, And that second episode, um, the two groups of people I bring together, um, this episode is titled uh, Los Angeles Gays,
0: spend a day with a muslim (laughs) wow okay that's a great that's a great setting
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you so we'll see uh we'll see how that goes uh and then other than that uh, i just heard that i'm a finalist for the sundance episodic lab for a tv series that i'm writing oh my god um yeah yeah um about you know the uh the trials and tribulations and uh of current day technology and how it can affect our lives. Um, So without saying too much, um, it's kind of like a, a black mirror uh, type of a show, but each episode uh, uh, showcases a female lead um, Mm. and showcases
0: a female um, writer and director as well. Oh, that's, that's really good. That's really good. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So those are, uh, that's what I'm working on currently. Well, okay. I'm really excited. Um, Congrats on, on that. and, Thank you again so much for stopping by. Yeah, (laughs) my pleasure. And imparting me with some knowledge.
1: (laughs) Oh, my pleasure. And best of luck with it all. Uh, I I really, you know, I expect to get kind of monthly updates on how you're doing. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) And be careful on Minder. I don't know what it's like. Oh, my God. uh... (laughs) I
0: actually ended up downloading it because I feel like I should put my money where my mouth, mouth is. It's really interesting. Um I'll give an update on the, on the podcast later.
1: <laughs> okay, there you go. There you go. Wait to sell. It. Well, I can't wait to I can't <laughs> wait to listen to more. And thank you for having me on the show and thank you for uh, for everyone out there for listening. I really appreciate it.
0: I feel like I've learned quite a lot through this call. I'm really looking forward to the day where I no longer feel that pressure to be liked first and foremost. If you want to learn more about Rola and check out her work, you can find it on YouTube, but you can also follow her on Twitter at Rola Sellback. That's R-O-L-L-A-S-E-L-B-A-K. It is no longer Tripod Month, but nothing is stopping you from sharing the podcast with your friends, family, and foes. So follow us on SoundCloud and itunes leave reviews rate us you can find me on twitter at hattie lurks that is h-a-t-y l-u-r-k-s tune in next tuesday for another episode a bientot